0: I'm Autumn Lockett,
1: and this is Mitch Randall,
0: and you're listening to Good Faith Weekly.
1: Welcome to Good Faith Weekly, and on this episode we've got a very special panel with us next Tuesday on July the 14th at 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Good Faith Media is going to host our very first Good Faith Forum, and this forum is going to be on social justice. And our three guests with us today are Rev. Dr. Corey Jones, Rev. Dr. Terrell Carter, and Rev. soon-to-be-Dr. Starlet Thomas. And they are our moderators for three forums that, again, begin uh, on Tuesday, July the 14th, over racial justice. And we are looking forward to this important forum a series of forums that are going to be launched next Tuesday and we are delighted that not only we have three wonderful moderators who are going to address three important topics but all of them are connected to Good Faith Media and serve on our board. So welcome to the podcast all three of you.
2: Thank you for having Thank me.
1: Thank you. Well, I mean this there's no time as such as this at this moment. And what we have seen uh, emerge across the country in the last golly, it's it's only been what six weeks since we have seen all of this unfold, and it was obviously uh, spawned by the the terrible death of George Floyd, but it wasn't just Floyd; it was others, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, Ahmad Aubrey in Georgia and Brown Taylor in Louisville. And I mean, good night. The list goes on and on. And we could sit here and name all of the victims um, because of, of police brutality and, and police violence. But tell us a little bit about each of you why a forum like this is so important right now in this moment in time.
2: I'd be happy to start. Okay. Uh, I think it's important to talk about it right now. I was writing about it on my blog because it's time out for small talk. We need to extend a conversation. uh, That's more like a journey. Uh, And so persons need to uh, come ready to have a conversation, not just about the systems themselves, but the social, not even just the social construct of race, but the social contract of race and the ways in which we have agreed to relate to each other. And so this is not a one-time conversation. Sure, we have a series going. We're hoping uh, to extend the conversation and have a lifelong uh, journey that changes and challenges the way in which we relate to each other. Um, that's my hope.
1: Good. Good. I like that.
3: I, I think it's always time to talk about these things. Um, I think that if we don't force the conversation, then we're just not going to have the conversation at all because there's always something else that will distract us. Number one, number two, we are so uncomfortable or you know on a large scale we are so uncomfortable having these kind of realistic conversations that if we don't make it happen it's not going to happen on its own because we'll find something else to think about and Mm -hmm. to pay attention to
4: Mm -hmm. well said now is really the time um let me take that back it's really been time Mm. it's overdue um, and it's, and for me, it's a sad indictment uh, in this world that it took something like George Floyd's tragedy to bring us to this point where we can have a conversation and say, oh, this is really happening. Um, it's kind of like it's been happening. People have been crying out for decades that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And so um, it is sad that we uh, are having this conversation now. However, um, we cannot let the time Uh, pass us by. We cannot miss the moment. Uh, We must engage and prayerfully and hopefully uh, change minds, educate people, um, bring exposure um, to issues that have really been in place for far too long. It was recently released
2: that um, George Floyd said, I can't breathe, some 20 times. Mm -hmm. How many times does someone have to say that you are choking the life out of me? Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that, as many persons have said, that was the expression, uh, that was the word, that was the image seen around the world that kind of broke the star that broke the camel's back. How many times do we have to see this? And how many times does someone have to say, You're choking the life out of me, I can't
1: breathe? And that's so well said, and, and such an important point because obviously this this has been happening for hundreds of years here in the United States and colonial America, uh, the oppression of people of color and particularly African Americans in this country. And there's but there, there's something at this moment, and I think Starlet, you you just hit it on the head, that phrase, "I can't breathe," because we have seen, With our own eyes, we've heard with our own ears the tragedy of of Trayvon Martin, uh, you know, of Michael Brown, of all these horrible incidents of police brutality and and death brought upon our black Americans. But there's something about this moment that it it seems to be an awakening. And I mean, do do you feel that in your context? Do you feel like this is an awakening?
2: I believe it's Holy Spirit inspired. I think it happening around the season of Pentecost, I preached about it, that the Holy Spirit is also saying, I can't breathe. Mm. I can't breathe. I can't breathe upon the churches. I can't move in the way I want to because you all are not on one accord and you never have been. Um, The church is going to talk about justice. It might want to start with its own house. And so we got to clean up our own house and have conversations with ourselves. And if we can't unite, if we are continuing to be segregated and can't get on one accord and on the same page, then how do we expect to bring the, the society along? We can't Mm. even come together ourselves, so how can we bear witness to anything? The the Holy Spirit is saying, I can't breathe on churches, so what do we have to say uh, as prophets uh, to the world?
1: Mm. Very well said.
4: Mm. Yeah, I I think the church really um, universal, really needs to to definitely come together. But there are some serious impediments um, that prevent us from doing so. It is theological perspective. It is biblical hermeneutic. Um, these are serious, serious uh, obstacles. For instance, you have one group of people that are completely offended and um, incensed that the president of the United States uh, clears out a group of protesters so he can go uh, to a church across the street and, and hold up a Bible.
1: Mm-hmm. A
4: Bible. A Bible. and and as, And use it as a prop. And there's one group of people that say, Oh, that's so wonderful. The president is standing up for people of faith. And then there's another group that says, wait, hold on. He just he just dispersed the peaceful protest in a violent manner. Mm-hmm. And so you have you have two different theological perspectives um, that are at war here. And then right. you have the biblical hermeneutic and how we actually interpret texts, and people take this. And, and apply it in very damaging and demeaning ways. Uh, one thing that's really clear is that uh, the Bible wasn't written to oppressors. Mm. It, it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It, it was written to communities that most of the time were being oppressed. And so when you apply an oppressor hermeneutic to texts written to the oppressed, you have what we have now.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Terrell, what do you think? I mean, do you think this is an awakening?
3: So we had the benefit of having a conversation a few weeks ago, right. and I think that I said in that conversation that uh, I'm still, uh, my judgment is out on this because we so, have been here before. Mm-hmm. I mean, We've been here in 2015. Uh, we can go back as far as I think you brought up the name Emmett Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is not new for us. The What's new is the number of people who are seeing it. But again, um, you know, my, my response is always, why does it take video for uh, for people to be believed? Um, I, I like how Corey just said it in, in the sense that there's disparate points of theology that are occurring uh, and we don't even recognize where those theologies came from and how our theologies affect people. Because we don't even call it theologies. We have now changed what should be, theological beliefs, uh, and, and we see them more as political beliefs instead of, of, um, understanding how God's word, um, applies not just to one group of people, uh, not just to the oppressor or the oppressed, but what it's saying to them as, as two groups, as, as one body of people who God is trying to shape and form, mm-hmm. uh, we, we give preference to, uh, one group over the other. And because of all those things, I just mentioned three, separate things. But okay. because of those kind of things, it, it, it's still hard for me to have hope that this is, you know, going to change very much. We are less mm-hmm. than six weeks away from George Floyd being killed and our attention span has already begun to change to so many other things. Right. Um, and the only reason again that we are talking about things is because a handful of people are forcing the conversation to continue. Mm-hmm. But you know, as people, we are, we are looking for the next attention grabbing headline event, Soundbite, whatever, and uh, the question becomes you know, what's going to be the next thing that's going to draw our attention away, and how hard will it be for us to keep this conversation going when there are going to be so many other things, you know, that people would rather uh, be thinking about and, and talking about? Yeah.
1: yeah. And that's, yeah.
0: So as part of our effort to make sure that our friends are staying laser focused on this important topic, we are hosting this series of forums. And Corey, you have the distinct pleasure of solving the problem of systemic racism in one (laughs)
1: hour. No pressure, (laughs) Corey. No pressure.
0: Zero pressure. So could you tell us a little bit about what you anticipate coming from that forum?
4: Yeah, you know, really for me, it's, it's education. It's enlightenment. It's, it's understanding that number one, this stuff didn't start with George Floyd. Mm -hmm. This stuff is embedded in our culture, in our society, in our country, in our people. Um, This did not just um, happen with, with um, a a, a police incident with the citizen, you know? And so we need to understand um, the components of it. Mm -hmm. And and break it down uh, as much as we possibly can um, so that people are aware. In addition, we want to explain it in such a way where um, people who are open can receive. I've come to the conclusion that there are some people, no matter what you say, you know, they're just not going to, to right. go with it. That's fine. Sure. But then there are some who are actually open mm-hmm. and will be willing to hear and to and to potentially Uh, make changes in their own personal lives and communities that can help us to um, make change in this world.
1: And on the first episode, Corey, uh, which is again, Tuesday at two o'clock Eastern Standard Time at, uh, uh, and we didn't say live streamed on Facebook live. And then after the fact, it would be on goodfaithmedia.org. But on that first episode, we've got three panelists and those three panelists, do you want to let us know who they are?
4: Yeah, we have uh, Joe Phelps, we have uh, Willie Francois and we have Tanika Shepard. And um, I think each are equipped to discuss uh, the issue of systemic racism um, from a variety of different perspectives. Um, we have a white man, we have a black man, we have a black woman, mm-hmm. we have an older white man, we have a younger black man, we have a um, Zennial, I love. Careful, it.
3: I was going to say, you be careful.
4: <laughs> yes, yes, a Zennio in Tanika because I'm a I, I I like that zennials. Yeah. We yeah. we don't fit in Generation X or or Millennials. Mm-hmm. We are that that group that has our feet in both um, generations, and so I think that's that gives us a variety of perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, to approach the subject okay. with.
1: And, Starlet, you're going to be hosting or moderating, I should say, uh, the second forum on uh, July the 21st. And that's going to deal particularly with white Christian nationalism. And so, tell us a little bit about what you have planned for that episode.
2: Uh, certainly. So, my hope is to separate the two, uh, to break, again, to clarify terms, as Corey has mentioned, but also to decenter whiteness and then reposition relationships um, outside of race. Huge tasks, um, trying to resent to all human beings as made in the image of God and getting Christians to really get their mouths around uh, and their theologies around that language, I remain hopeful. Uh, and then also to see whiteness for what it is. Um, and So we have two panelists, Angela Danker, she's the author of Red State Christians, and she's also a Lutheran pastor. And then we have uh, Charles Watson, Jr. He's the director of education at the Baptist Joint Committee. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to the perspectives that they'll bring uh, and the power that they'll bring to the conversation.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I'm really I'm looking forward to all three forums, but uh, in, in your a- area that you're going to be covering uh, on the 21st, Starlet, um, you know, one of the things that I have been really been studying and, and I've known this for so long, uh, as many of our listeners know, as you know, I'm a Native American and trying to come to grips with the white dominance that was instilled upon this country ever since 1492 and my people were and in air quotes discovered uh, and you know i mean just from that moment forward and it goes hand in hand the the native american indigenous struggle along with the african struggle as we were being conquered the africans were being conquered and then uh, brought over to the Americas uh, for slavery and uh, you know a hideous labor force, and so our our two strugg- our, our two histories coincide with one another, uh, and but what brings those those two histories together? Uh, that divide, uh, you know, even though an ocean away, uh, you know, Hamilton reference there, by the way. Um, I was about to
0: start saying it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: an ocean away is this white supremacy or white dominance. And so I'm really interested to see what your panel does with that historically and seeing how white Christian nationalism, you know, really was at the heart of the American experience and how we have neglected that throughout the years.
2: Historically, though, you know that whiteness or white, socially colored white people has, have been uh, synonymous with being Christian. To be white was to be Christian. To be black was to be heathen. And so that, that narrative, they, they, they hit down the ground running on that mm-hmm. uh, and, and locating uh, evil and darkness outside of whiteness or European Americans. And we used to call uh, the, the continent of Africa the Terranellos, the dark continent. Mm-hmm. And so they have deep roots they've written for hundreds of years, um, starting with the Enlightenment all the way through now, uh, with trying to undergird that narrative of whiteness, white as right, if you black, get back, if you brown, stick around, if you yellow, you're mellow, like it's in song, it's in commercials, as we've seen with the Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben, it is commercialized and capitalized on, mm-hmm. we have quite a lot of work to do, but I'm definitely energized and inspired by it. Winthrop Jordan has a wonderful book called White Man's White Man's Burden on the Historical Origins of Race and what undid it for me. What undid race for me was to know that race had a birthday. There was a time when it did not exist and then there was a time when it did and They had gave it a date and I won't spoil it for you. Get the book, read it, and it'll tell you exactly when they started using the term white and white as an identity. It is not eternal. It has not always been here. And right. since it is not eternal, it is temple, which means we can rid ourselves of it. Sure. we got
0: to
1: talk ourselves out of it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's such a good word. And yeah. then Terrell, on February, I'm sorry, February, I have COVID brain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. On July
0: 28, you're going to be moderating a conversation um, about policing um, and just using your expert background to guide us through that really tricky conversation. Tell us a little bit about what you hope to accomplish in that episode.
3: We will have uh, multiple uh, guests as well, and they all have some uh, connection to law enforcement, whether as lawyers or as correctional, former correctional officers, or former police officers as well. So they can bridge the gap between the theoretical and what the real world uh, process is. And as usual, whenever I talk about policing uh, or I participate in these kinds of things, my hope is just is always that people understand. Um, what part they play in the process of uh, calling and shaping what we understand to be criminality. And what I mean by that is is, is to have a better understanding of what criminality really is and what it means in, in, in the real world. Um, again, that... Uh, criminality is not as um, Starlet said, it's not just based on race. It's not based on skin color. You should not assume something about someone just because of what they look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also to make sure that we start having a more even or level playing field. Again, if we can um, realize that not every black or brown person, should be a suspect and that we have to apply the same kind of lenses uh, in general to everyone. I mean, that makes the world a much more equitable place. Uh, But again, also to help people understand the part that they play in that process that um, you know, again, that the the police are not there just to handle your petty calls that, you Mm -hmm. know, and when we put police officers in those kind of positions, then we add to the, the, the narrative that, you know, continues to occur about, um, what police are called to do, what they should be doing and what citizens are actually doing, what citizens should be doing. So it's, it's a very complicated, um, you know, relationship. But my hope is that through this kind of forum and all of these, the, these three forums is that, um, people have a better understanding of how they fit into these bigger narratives that are being told about other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, again, that's going to be a, a fascinating uh, forum, uh, be our third forum. And, you know, Troy, we've had you on the pod before, and I, I have quoted you probably at least 20 times since, uh, since we uh, released that episode, because you said something in that episode that just resonated with me. And, and I couple that with a conversation that I had with our former police chief here in Norman, Oklahoma uh, chief uh, Keith Humphreys, who's now the police of chief, African-American man, police uh, chief of police for Little Rock, Arkansas. And he and I would often talk and have coffee and, and discuss some of the issues surrounding policing. And, and when he would, you know, we talk about he would talk about just how a lot of these incidents, while, yes, there's certainly systemic racism, there's overt racism attached to them. A lot of them are bad policing. And when you said the other day in the podcast about uh, policing incentives within the department itself and how bad those are, is that, and I just keep, when you said, you know, nobody gets promoted for de-escalating situations. (laughs) You know, nobody gets accommodations for saying, hey, you know, let's calm things down. Uh, that just really resonated to me. So I'm, I'm really, you know, we're going to talk about systemic racism within policing and racism within policing. But just policing itself has been really eye opening to me just from the techniques and the training that you have brought to light.
3: Yeah, I mean, w- this is part of the challenge most people don't understand how police are taught or what they are taught uh, in that podcast, I, I know I said that uh, I was never told that my job literally for the five years that I was a city police officer, I was never told that my job was to help people. I was always told that my job was to go out and to make arrest and very particular types of arrest because it benefited the system that I was working in. Uh, so again, like you said, or as you quoted me, uh, no one ever got promoted for doing a good thing or for mm-hmm. being a good cop. And to be truthful, the idea of good and bad is completely different on the police department than what is true for the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, on the police department, a good cop is someone who goes out, kicks the bushes and looks for someone to arrest and to, you know, the, the word we used to use is free case, meaning that you, uh, you make up charge, you look for a reason to arrest someone, uh, within policing. And this is documented. They police officers, you know, police departments say this themselves. That's what a good cop is versus a cop who tries to de-escalate or who tries to uh, help a family or who tries to help someone find resources. Police say that that's a bad cop because you are wasting your time and that's not what your job is. So again, part of the hope is, is to help people understand the big disparity between what we understand. You know, we get most of our, uh, understanding about police from a television show that is not yeah. realistic. I, I always laugh because I, whenever something about police is on TV, I'm, I always want to turn. And my wife's like, "Wait a minute! Don't you want to see that?" No, because it's not real, and it gives people Tarell, the are wrong. Are you telling me that ideas. it doesn't
1: take one hour to solve a crime from the initial crime to the prosecution of the crime? I mean, you're blowing my mind here, Terrell. I mean, I, I, I watch I watch Law and Order for years. I mean, it doesn't happen that way. No, it does not
3: happen that way. And no, good cops don't always have British accents either on them.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: oh, goodness. Well, to the three of you, I just want to say uh, thank you so much for your leadership. Um, it really, it, this was an idea that really Corey brought to light uh, a few weeks back and said, hey, do you think we could do this? And I'm so appreciative of his leadership and Starlet and and Terrell have been incredible voices to make these forums come to fruition. And so I want to remind our our listeners that Good Faith Forums, uh, the first three are going to be about racial justice. Begin Tuesday, July the 14th at 2 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Central Time. So make certain that you tune in to Facebook Live for a live stream at Good Faith Media's Facebook page. And then if you can't make it at 2 o'clock on Tuesday, then make certain to check out goodfaithmedia.org because it will be streaming after the live feed so to the three of you thank you so much but before we let you go autumn always has to ask this one question she's going to ask it all three of you pertaining to your particular episode and topic within your episode so autumn take it away
0: Uh, so we just want each of you to let us know what your more to tell is Corey, i think you're up first
4: my more to tell. Oh wow! Um, you know what? I'm going to uh, I'm going to really do something that is is may may show my cowardice. I think my more to tell is going to be the fact that I'm first, and it sets the foundation for everyone else so my more to tell is the next two episodes
1: after life. <laughs> oh wow oh, did you see how skillfully he handed that off to starlet and <laughs> i mean that i mean that was some pa- smooth pasture in there brother <laughs> <That was. laughs> oh Starlet.
2: Yeah, in fact, to me, my more to tell is that, uh, as Corey has already alluded to, we're hoping to undermine uh, the credibility of the socio political construct of race mm. Mm. with this yeah. conversation and all the ones to follow. Great. Yeah. Mm.
3: And my more to tell is there's always more to the story. There's always more to the story than what you see on television. there's always more to the story than what you hear a political figure say. Uh, there's always more and it's up to us to find out what that more, what the rest of that story is so we can be better informed and so we can treat people like they truly are created in the image of God as God would have us to.
1: Thank you, the three of you. Again, Good Faith Forums on so uh, on racial justice beginning Tuesday at 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live and then following goodfaithmedia.org. Corey, Starlett, Terrell, thank you again for joining our podcast today. And more so, thank you for your leadership in bringing Good Faith Forums on racial justice to light. So until next time, we always at Good Faith Media want to encourage everybody, live good faith.